bringing you his authentic perspectives on important topics. They live in suburbs together. They live in the city together. They hang out together, all in the same family. We're the only idiots that fight because we want our voice to only be on one side. Like, does that even make any sense? And when the side loses, you lose everything. They, on the other hand, have a voice no matter what because somebody that looks like them is always in, in control. Frank, candid, and straight to the point. Well, it's just a skewed uh, system. Of course it is. It's a lot but, of adjustment. But, but answer there, my question, though. Should we let people what? go? Should we let people go? Like, let's just forget about bail altogether. And if your neighbor commits well, a homicide and kills people... Up, nah, if you kill people and they next to you and you just let them come back and live right next to you, they can live upstairs from you. Let them come in your house. This is The Truth of the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth and The Truth app. Now, he's the mayor of the city of Milwaukee. He's a young man. Give him a chance. I only complain about things that I care about. What I want you to do is pretend like I'm in St. Louis. And all I'm asking the mayor and the common council president and the common council, show me. Now, live from the American Family Insurance Studio in Milwaukee, here is Dr. Ken Harris. Welcome into the Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. I am Jason Fields, filling in for the great Dr. Ken Harris, who is on assignment. And before we get started, let me wish my wife a happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday, Tasha. Uh, Tasha is, you all know, Tasha and I did the show, um, quite honestly, one of the best things that happened to me. Um, and so love Tasha to death. And so I think Benjamin, uh, you know, y'all, y'all play India Ari if you could. That's my baby favorite artist. That, that's who you want? That, India Ari. That's my baby favorite. We're going to take it back then. We're going to take it back. Uh, that's my baby favorite artist. Me and Zach, we were talking yesterday. I tried to, I tried to get India Ari. I sent her, I looked for her on Twitter, uh, and I, I sent something that said, hey, I don't see no concerts in, in, in circulation, you know, can you send a picture or something? And so, needless to say, she didn't answer, uh, but I bet y'all about them dollar, me and Tasha, we believe India Ari is going to reach out to us for, for whatever reason, I, don't ask me why, we just think she's going to reach out. Uh, but happy birthday, Latasha. Um, just love how smart, intelligent you are. Love the God-fearing woman that you are. Love how you um, always find a way to just make me better. And always find a way to become like my the the business producer or something over me. Whatever, whatever I'm doing, Tasha become like the agent or the person in charge of me. So that said, so today I got a special guest Um you all know I love money, business, economic topics, and I love bringing people who, you know, you may not all know, but I'm she knows a boatload of people um, from Milwaukee, and resume is just insane. Like, I showed your resume to several people, and they were like, Jason, <laughs> she's sick. And, I mean, me and Tanetta, we've probably been connected a couple of years throughout LinkedIn, and mm-hmm. We, 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 we know some of the same people in circles as far as money management. But Tanetta Dersell Carter, I'm going to read you all her resume because I want to talk to Tanetta about, I'm going to call you T because I, I do nicknames. Everyone calls me T. Everyone calls uh, Go ahead. Me. <laughs> all right. That works. Scoot up, T. 
So Tanetta was is the president, founder, and CEO of Carter Wilson, a specialized alternative asset consulting firm that provides strategy, exposure, and access to unique venture, real estate, and infrastructure investment opportunities. She was the director for Generator. Those of you who are in the business community, you know who Generator is. She was the director of investment, led a multi-million dollar capital raise for Generator Fund 8 and Generator Luxembourg Fund 1 across 18 market, 100 plus startups and 50 plus industries. She implemented Generator's investment strategy across the company and then developed their investor communications Capital Calls Fund Performance Fund Portfolio. She was the Assistant Director of Development for at the Medical College of Wisconsin. Uh, co-led the institution's first 300 million healthcare campaign around innovative technologies, research, and education. Transformative patient care to eradicate the health burden in the state of Wisconsin. She is also, I'm going to skip down to this, but Wisconsin Army National Guard. You were the Chief of Staff to the Executive to the Brigadier Colonel. What does that entail? Speak into the mic a little bit more for me. Can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you. So what is that in the executive to the brigadier colonel? <laughs> uh, you know, it was really serving as a thought partner and a liaison. Um, you know, I spent time in Afghanistan in 2014, um, you know, demobilizing troops uh, across Jalalabad, Mezar Sharif, and Bagram. I'm really just implementing protocols and procedures to really ensure just daily mission completion. Um, went back over there, South Korea in 2018, and that was um, under President Trump's leadership for a joint mission, really just doing a, a real-time war analysis of, you know, what if? if something went wrong, how would the U.S. play a role in foreign conflict? So really being, again, a thought partner to the brigade colonel at that time. Um, but day to day, you know, really just being uh, that gatekeeper for his communications, um, that their responsibility is, um, and again, just being that gatekeeper for the colonel during my time um, with the U.S. Army. So before we get into your professional career and those things and the, yeah. the things you and I talk about, how did you how, what what led that journey? How did you get to to that <laughs> position? I mean, y'all looking at her, right? Like she don't look like she was carried around <laughs> AR-16s in South Korea and Afghanistan. She looked like a model. So how you talk, help us now, help, how'd you get there? Like what brought that on? Yeah. Uh, so when I was in college at Whitewater, shout out to Whitewater. Um, I, I was very involved, super active, uh, you know, connection student council, student government, everything, you name it, chancellor's ambassador. Um, but at some point I, wanted to do more. Um, you know, I felt that I was doing what a student should be doing in college, getting good grades, excelling, being active. Um, but I was looking for, I guess, a deeper meaning, if you want to call it that. Um, so I said, I'm going to join the Army. And I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell my friends. I told no one. You just joined. I just joined. And I came back and said, oh, I leave for basic training in three months, by the way. You just joined I, and I didn't just say joined, nothing. Didn't tell, no, didn't say a word. you like my brother. My brother, that's some some something my brother would do. <laughs> My brother, I'm sorry, I just it reminded me of something my brother did. My brother came to us and said, oh, yeah, in two days I'm moving to Texas. Like, okay, <laughs> so you just joined. I just joined, yeah. I was looking for, again, just something that was impactful beyond beyond what I was doing in school. And I found it. I, I loved it. Great experience. Amazing people. Uh, still much involved now with the governor's board, uh, mm -hmm. Veteran Affairs for Wisconsin, so I'm still very active. 
with military families across the state. Would you, and this may be an unfair question. I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you, I don't want to use the word recommend, but for people who are looking, like my best friend was in the army, won a purple heart. Um, I don't want to say recommend, but is it pivotal for people who may not know or looking for something more? Would you say try it? Or do you have to be of a certain mindset? Because I, I would have to imagine you have mm-hmm. to be disciplined and focused. Um, I, For me, being of a certain mindset was, yes, I was already disciplined. Um, I was already physically active. So it wasn't a hard transition for me. Um, but for someone that's less structured or, um, you know, doesn't like too much uh, tough authority or tough love, whatever you have it, um, you know, I would say think about it before you do that. But for me, it wasn't a hard transition because I was already in the mindset um, of operating that way anyway and have it in routine. So, again, it was not hard for me. But for someone else, I can't say you should do that because you, your mind may not just be made up that way. And it's a commitment for years. So were you when you had to when you were deployed, were you ever worried that you were going into places that, you know, we read about on TV? Uh, well, yeah, uh, I think that's a constant worry when you're, you know, in Afghanistan, and given what, you know, what's happening, what was going on at the time, um, I was worried, yes, but, you know, I'm a woman of faith, so I stay, stayed prayed up, and so did my parents and my family, so I I knew I'd be coming back home. I'll put I, it that way. I met your mother. What did your mother say when you told her, I'm I'm going, I'm leaving in three months? What'd she say? Because your mama looked tough. She is tough. <laughs> <laughs> your mama looked like she don't play around. And that's why I'm so tough. Um <laughs> No, you know what? Shockingly, when I told her, she wasn't surprised. Really? You know, yeah, she told me that I was going to do fine. She said, you're going to do great. She really did. She supported me. She was, you know, I didn't tell her, so that was a shocker to her, but not surprised that I, that I was doing it. Hmm. And so after that, you you come back, and then did you decide, okay, I want to get into this environment of in, or industry with finance and investments? But did you go to did you go to the army first or college? What did, which one did you do first? College first. So um, I actually joined the military um, at the end of my sophomore year of college. Okay. Yeah. So that's when I joined. So I was already two years in school when I joined, and I came back and finished my um, my last two years. And so when you were in college, when did you decide you were going to major in finance and business? Yeah. So it's so funny. Um, when I so when I came to college. Um, Originally was a poli sci major, uh, but then you know just given my experience, like I always loved math or arithmetic. My mom was very active in cultivating me throughout my life, just being very very business savvy. Uh, so I switched to finance actually freshman year, and then I was already in that field, but I didn't know exactly like what was out there in finance besides just you know banking. Um, I wasn't exposed to alternative investments or stocks or things of that nature at the time. Um, so fortunate for me. When I came back, um, you know, I was taking uh, our securities our securities course my junior year, and I had just some great professors at Whitewater, great faculty, um, you know, that really encouraged me, uh, you know, to speak up more, do more. Like you're smart, you're talented. Like we want to just pull more out of you. Um, at the time we had our applied investments program at Whitewater, it was still still kind of small, nothing like you know um, as large as Madison's is. But he encouraged Can that me. Educate us on what the, the applied investment management program is. Because, I mean, people like me know, but for our audience, that's 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 entry level big time. You going you getting into the real game of wealth, money management, stocks. 
Yeah. Uh, so at that time, essentially, you students have um, you apply for a program. Um, you know, they pick maybe at the time it was eight to ten of us, um, and you manage basically a pool of dollars you're investing in the stock market. Um, so it's, and it's real money. Yeah, it's, it's real money. Um, you're investing in the stock market, and you're using Bloomberg, which is like the number one, you know, mm-hmm. stock-based investing system. You're using Bloomberg, so you're learning um, how to use it, how to make, you know, buy and sell decisions, how to monitor stocks, uh, how to monitor, you know, um, quarterly reporting, what comes out. So you're watching your stocks day to day. Like, it's very active trading, essentially. Um, so I did that program, and I just loved it. And my professor at the time, he was also a military veteran. So, like, we just bonded off that. So having someone that understood, you know, um, my background, my history, you know, where I want to go, my future, my plans that supported me, that really helped me just, I guess, excel in finance um, in college and beyond. How many black people were enrolled in, in, in the apply program at Whitewater when you were there? Uh, I was the first one. You're the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the program, and I, the reason why I asked this, you all listening to us, is because there are programs like the uh, Implied Investment Management Program at these universities. Uh, there was a young African-American guy here in Milwaukee uh, William Stark. Uh, Will is probably a little bit. I'm 40. I'll be 49. Will went to Marquette. Will is now in Chicago, and I think went to Chicago and is managing. Launched his own fund, and this was maybe he was 28. So this was years ago. 28 year old African American man going out out of this applied investment management program. Took sort of some of the similar similar to to Netta, where you get into this and you just you get into a whole new world of career pathways, uh, options, and things that traditionally we're not talked about, we're not told about. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on because, I mean, think about when we when you were in high school, when I was in high school, no one was talking to me about finance, investing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you were the first black. We're still not at a point where we have that many African-Americans, black folks, and particularly women, in these kinds of industries, what do you think is the holdup or the obstacle for getting us in these kinds of arenas? Um, you know, I could say a number of different things. Um, I think number one, just being um, lack of knowledge, right? So not knowing what's out there and not knowing what's available to you, um, I would say is probably one of the first ones. I think also, um, I think a lot of people of color and women, including myself, you know, we deal with what we call imposter syndrome, right? So sometimes not feeling like you're smart enough or you deserve to be there or you deserve that or you can attain that. So I think that, but then as well, uh, you know, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And sometimes things may seem out of reach or you may say, why do I deserve that? Or like no one in their, in their room looks like me. I don't deserve to be there. And you do. Also, I think having a strong network and mentors that advocate for you and support you and encourage you um, are all very, very critical for wanting to get into this space and feel like you belong here and excel here. You know, I, I think it's for a lot of the people who are at home, have kids, um, should be aware or made aware that one of the reasons why people like me talk about this kind of industry, money, is not because of the money itself, mm-hmm. but rather when you get in these positions, you are in a then in a position to help out your community. Mm-hmm. We forget that in the words of Jay-Z, I can't help the poor if I'm one of them, right? So if our community needs people to donate, uh, for example, let who's um, 
the the wealthiest African American man in the country, um, black guy. He was the one who donated. I think was it to Howard University? Yes, to Morehouse. Um, um, Robert Smith. Robert Smith. Yeah. Uh, between Robert Smith uh, and Warren Buffett, if I could have lunch or dinner with two people, those would be the two. Robert Smith does the kind of things that you're talking about doing that you want to do the private wealth, private equity kind of money management stuff. Um, one of the reasons why I always say we should produce more people like a you, like a Tanetta, uh, is that it's not just about the money. It's about what those people do when they're in their communities to give back to those communities. And we're going to have more of this conversation on the other side. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth. You are listening to The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. Brown skin, you know I love your brown skin. I can't tell where yours begins. I can't tell where mine is. Brown skin, up against my brown skin. This is the truth in the afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. I am Jason Fields, filling in for the great Dr. Ken, who is on assignment. Marquise, man, I just want to let you know, uh, I got your text. You all call into the truth line at 833-212-1017. You can hit the talk and text line at 833-212-1017. Marquise said, I want to let you know, Mr. Jason Fields, you're doing a good job filling in for Dr. Ken. Keep up the great work. Happy birthday to your wife. Don't forget to play India (laughs) Ari. We hear you, brother. Um, we are discussing a number of items with uh, President and CEO of Carter Wilson Group LLC, Tanetta Darcel Carter, um, who is, I want to say, a business extraordinaire. But you've done a number of good items, and some of the things that I want to get to as we talk and go through this hour and a half, uh, I want to get to some of the business stuff later uh, because those of you who have businesses. Uh, I I would love to have you listen and hear from someone who's had to do business evaluations and look, you've had people, people have made pitches to you and you've had to sit through pitches. How many pitches have you probably sat through off the top of your head? Um, (laughs) uh, Quite a few, quite a few, Um, you know, in, in my last firm, you know, my last role was primarily investor focused. So, pulling capital to fund those businesses, um, you know, but I joined great teams of MDs that were really the ones zoning in on those founders. Uh, but I was countless pitches that I've listened to. So talk to me about your role in developing a fund. Walk me through what is that like when you're when you're trying to fundraise and develop funds, they send you or you're help. You're going out making the pitch or you're introducing people. What is that like? Because I've seen you, you've, you've had to travel and go from to different cities. What is that like? And and how how do you become good at it? Because that's another career that people we never hear about in growing up, a fund developer or a business developer. Nobody ever taught us this in school. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, I would say practice, practice and practice. Um, I think for me, my past experiences, you know, learning how to be flexible, um, 
vocal and nimble really helped me um, excel in this space. Um, you know, and I would say a lot of it is just, you know, being confident in who you are, being okay with public speaking because you have to be, and knowing your product and knowing yourself. So being able to really sell something that you believe in, something that you believe is different, something that you believe can work and that people actually care about. Um, that was really critical for me in my last role in our firm, selling something that people cared about that could also not only make you feel good, but also help you do good financially. Uh, so really being able to to sell that twofold where it resonates with your audience. And also really knowing your audience because it varies. So for me, my pitch is very based upon who I was talking to. People care about different things. So having a product that could reach more than one person, but knowing how to change your story to fit the different person, I think is very critical in raising a fund. Do you think Wisconsin, and I, I probably know the answer to this, and I, you've been to the East Coast, West Coast. Yep. Uh, where do we track as Midwest? Two, two-part question. Where do we track as far as getting capital to our area, the Midwest? And then the second part question to that is, from your experience, where do we track from getting getting capital to black folks, people of color, women? And yeah. you don't have to give me a statistical number, but you 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 you've flown all over. Yeah, well, I would say, uh, you know, allocating capital in general is oh my gosh, it's ridiculous at this point anyway. Um, you know, most capital goes to east and west coast, like that's where it goes. That's over eighty percent of capital goes to, you know, uh, Boston, uh, you know, New York. Um, California, that's where the capital goes anyway. So I think we, we as a Midwest, we're considered, you know, um, an underserved market, right, or an undersaturated market. So we're we're playing against these heavy hitters and these heavy players, right? But I say where we're stronger is because we do have great talent here, great founders here, and we do have the available capital here where we are. It's just getting the exposure and having our local institutions and corporate partners also place their capital here. So if you're not investing in your own backyard, why would someone else do it? Right. And I think that's where the Midwest, where we fall short, investing in our own cities. You know, I, you have, can we talk about the, your concept or the fact that you want to do your own fund? And can we, is that off limits or what? Uh, no, we can, we can talk about it. Because I, I, I don't think, I don't, I don't know how many people hear from black women who want to start their own fund. I don't, I think you and I know every, you know, most of the people in this space, but how do we before we get to that, how do we how do we compare to attracting capital to black folks? So statistically speaking, uh, I can't say exactly where the margins like Milwaukee falls, but I can say the capital overall itself, you know, two percent goes to back around founders with women receiving less than one women of color receiving less than one of that. So we're like not even at one percent of capital. And that's for black women, black and brown women across the country in mm-hmm. general. The uh, largest growing demographic, mm-hmm. black women started more businesses in the yeah. pandemic than anybody. Yeah, I read something like, was it over 40% black women? Yeah. yeah. And we're ignoring that kind of potential opportunity across the board. Mm-hmm. So for all you black women out there, um, make sure you're listening, uh, because at some point we will get into some, I want to get into some technical discussions, but uh, I was looking at the racial and ethnic diversity and finance because I think in order for us to start looking at this, you have to have people like Tanetta willing to do her own fund so we can fund women, people of color, 
And when you look at the racial and ethnic diversity in finance, 84% of the folks are white, 9% are Asian, 8% are Latinx or Hispanic, 5% black. And so that means 5% of black folks are in these positions, which is why it's crucial that in places like Milwaukee, we, we help develop and support a person like you. Because if you decide to leave, then we lose out, which leads me to my next question. (laughs) (laughs) How are you still here? You know, like, like you, because I know certain people, but you're, you're from here. Yeah. How did you, how did you, how did, how are you not gone? That's a serious, that's a real question. And and I'm asking that because (laughs) again, in these spaces, I know brothers who from Milwaukee who said, you know, they moved to the West Coast and said, Jay, it's hard to get money in Wisconsin. Um, And they're out in the West Coast doing fantastic now. I have some brothers and fund managers and and they said, Jason, you, you know, you guys in Wisconsin, you, 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 you have a weird kind of vibe where you want to know who's going to be first. Everybody wants to know who's going to be first in Wisconsin. We have this culture where everybody rushes to be second, right? Well, who do, who do you have? And they were telling me, some of my other friends in the venture capital space, private equity space, they said over in the, North, in the East Coast and West Coast, they, they could care less. They want to see who's, they, they want to be first. I don't necessarily know if that's true, but why, how are you still here? <laughs> given, given, given your, given your resume and background. How do you even answer that? Uh, no, so I mean, I love Milwaukee. I'm a product of Milwaukee. You know, most of my family's still here. I went to school here. I got a great education here. Um, I have a strong network here. But I think for me, it's rather than leaving, it's more important to bring and pour resources and capital back to Milwaukee versus me taking capital and leaving. I can just go go get it and bring it back here. So why like why not do that instead? That's my question to myself. Why not just go find capital, go go happy hunting, bring it back to your city and help businesses grow here, neighborhoods, people, students. Like why not just do that? And that's why I'm still in Milwaukee because that's what I prefer to do and I, I love doing it. We're going to have more of this conversation on the other side. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth. The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris is next on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app, and 1017thetruth.com. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. I am Jason Fields, filling in for Dr. Ken, who is on assignment. Thank you to Gruber Law Offices for being a founder, partner of the new 1017 The Truth. We are proud to be supported by a law firm who has made such a positive impact in our community. So if you or a loved one is ever injured in an accident, give Gruber Law Offices a call. One call, that's all. Uh, Zach, I, you know, that, I think I'm a, once, once I'm done, man, I'm gonna go home and, um, I think I'm gonna slow dance with Tosh and just groove to NDRE on the phone. As you should. As a, yeah, I, um, 
she decided to hire me back, Zach. Okay, <laughs> bet. And so, um, happy birthday, baby. Um, you know, I, I wanted to, part of this, I wanted to, this week while I'm here, I wanted to highlight um, black women doing good things. Um, and then, particularly in areas where I just don't think we talk about enough. I mean, we we have enough negative stuff to talk about. And at some point, I wanted to do a show where let's let's look at. And I was telling you this, T, how do we duplicate you and not? (laughs) (laughs) And what I mean by that is, I mean, how do we in the city of Milwaukee get more black young folks into an area where it's vital for our community? You know, um, because we weren't taught these things in school. Um, You you have credibility and now you're going to a point where eventually you're going to be that Robert Smith, that person that's donating philanthropic dollars to causes that help our community. You just said, I have a passion for for my community. Do you think that we, we haven't done a good job of, and when I say we, I mean us as a community as a whole, do you think we haven't done a good job of making sure your peers, my peers have that same passion. Cause I, you know, we, we hear it all the time. It ain't nothing to do in Milwaukee. And I said, and as I, and as growing up, I used to say that kind of stuff, but then I started realizing it's, it's different camps in the city of Milwaukee. And if you, if you 30, 40 still talking about it, it ain't nothing to do. You hanging with the wrong people. Cause it's a lot of stuff going yeah. on, man. It's a lot of power plays being made. And as I said before, if you're not at the table, you probably on the menu. Do you think we have we haven't done a good job of fostering that attitude to make people passionate about their hometown? You know, that's difficult for me uh, to answer because from my experiences, like it's been that for me. Um, You know, I would say that my passion not comes from just myself, my family, but who I am around. Um, But I do think peers like myself and others, maybe well for myself, can maybe do a better job at ensuring that other people um, are being more exposed. So, you know, they say as you climb up, someone should be coming with you. So being more active um, in mentorship. Mentorship can be peer-to-peer. Like that's It's a thing, right? So um, being more vocal and more engaged with people in your community, peers, um, younger folks, even older folks. Uh, so I wouldn't say that we're doing a bad job at it, but it also depends on your environment and who you're around day-to-day. Like that definitely makes a difference on your mindset and how you look and your perspective on Milwaukee and what's here available to you in Milwaukee. Um, I think for me, again, I've been around enough great dope people where I look at Milwaukee differently. I look at Milwaukee as a big opportunity um, as a city, but others don't feel the same way. Do you, and and you, do you credit is because like how finding mentors is hard, particularly it's, it's finding hard it's difficult, but even in finding it in this space, the spaces that you are in, uh, I was, 30 years old before I found a black man who managed money at the time, it was Mark Purnell, who uh, I think was the first black money manager. I knew we managed a hundred million dollars back in the day. And this was like 1998, 96. Uh, and he was a well-known person and we were the only black people in the, in the office downtown. Did you have you experienced racism and discrimination 
I mean, being the only black person, and not that you have, because I, I, I didn't experience it in that when I was with Mark Purnell. And in fact, um, one of the things Mark did was he groomed me. In fact, Mark did Mark did the one of the most dopest things I've ever I've ever seen done. Mark Purnell, black man, hired me, took me on, brought me on as an executive sales assistant. And what he did was he, at the time our headquarters was Evan Securities down in Chicago. Mark sent me down to talk with the heads of every department. It was just me. And I'm sitting there on the top floors. It's just my little black tail sitting there talking with the head department of IRAs, uh, mutual funds. Um, and they all like, look, whatever you need. Like the leadership of that company. I'd never seen somebody be in a position to do that. Yeah. And then from that point on, it gave me juice and credibility. And you describe something like that. And so in that arena, I didn't experience racism and discrimination because Mark had laid it out for me. Being the only woman, sometimes being the only black woman, have you experienced it? Yeah. So uh, my answer has two parts. Um, so I would say funny thing is on on the military front, um, both times that I deployed, I was the only black woman. You were the only black woman? The only one, yep. Yeah, both times. In South Korea and Afghanistan? Mm-hmm. The only black woman in my unit, at least. Okay. Yeah, at the time um, that, that went over. But uh, just background-wise, I think from, you know, from attending you know, private schools and going to Whitewater and being in finance classes, I was very accustomed and comfortable navigating around rooms and spaces that look different than myself because I always have. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I joined the military, my first deployment, I think that environment – it really helped me be a lot more bold and a lot more vocal because I had to be, you know, in a space that's extremely male dominant, uh, you know, with tunnel superiors, you know, you it's easy to feel small and I'm a pretty small woman, um, you know, so I learned to really be comfortable, uh, you know, in my blackness, you know, in being a woman um, and my talent and my skills and my gifts, um, you know, so when I, Mentioned over into, uh, you know, the venture, the venture space, you know, I didn't experience it. I really didn't. Um, I had in my last firm, I had, you know, bosses that really supported me, um, advocated for me. And they made sure that, you know, that our investor pool like knew who I was. So having that sort of support system in a role that I had was definitely it was critical to me being successful and not having to deal with things that other um, black women have in my space. Now, Tanetta, we're going to come right back and we'll have more conversation on the other side. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on 1017 The Truth, The Truth app and 1017thetruth.com. Is that India? What happened to her hair? This is the truth in the afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth, live from the American Family Insurance Studio at the Avenue in the heart of downtown Milwaukee. I am Jason Fields, filling in for the great Dr. Ken, who is on assignment. And my guest today, Tanetta Darcel Carter. CEO and founder of Carter Wilson Group, LLC, and just an overall, I think, individual who, when I saw some of the stuff you were doing, um, 
I was like, okay, she's she going to the next level. She she's she's in that stratosphere where, okay, she's she's getting into an arena where not a lot of us are there. And those of those of us who get there, um, you know, when they're when they're good at it, they're a boatload of opportunities for them. And so how did you go from the medical college to generator? Because that's a. I don't know, maybe not. It's not a it's not a it's not a. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a it's not a you know lateral move. I mean, it's just it's just a weird transition. And the medical college in is great. Uh, shout out to Greg Wesley. Um, and amazing team over there. Yeah, amazing shout leadership. out, shout out to all of them. Uh, Greg Wesley, one of my you know older brothers, who uh, him. So shout out to the work that they're doing. But how did you go from there to generator? Uh, Where did Troy in in, in uh, Troy and give me what Joe Joe? Where did they even find? Where did they find you? <laughs> okay, that's a loaded question with a lot of answers. Uh, no, when people, most people's uh, pathway into venture or PE or hedge is definitely it's not cookie cutter. No, like no one has. That's right. You know this direct laid out path. We all end up there from just the most unique ways. Um, so for me, I already had, um, you know, the finance background, understanding, you know, the fundamentals. Uh, at MCW, I was grateful enough to be with a great team and great leaders, you know, where I really learned the art of storytelling, right? How to tell, again, an impactful story that resonates, um, you know, how to really, how to sell and, and how to cultivate, how to source and find, you know, um, new donors, or in the venture side, it was the same concept, really, mm-hmm. just a different audience and different ball game. But those fundamentals I learned from MCW are the same skills that I used in in my new role. Uh, so the transition, why it may seem kind of abrupt, it was really kind of easy. Um, I went from essentially one campaign to another. I'm um, again just a, a different field, but some of those same fundamentals. You know, happy hunting. Uh, you know, identifying, sourcing. You know, pitching, selling, closing deals. You know, uh, yeah, but I think too. The funny thing is, uh, you know, like how did Joe, <laughs> Troy and Joe find me? So just to the mentorship piece, you know, a great mentor and friend of mine of ours mutually connected us. So I think again, having strong mentors and a strong network is so important. It's so important because again, it's not what you know; it's who you know for most people, and that's how how my uh, career has been so far. How did you navigate that? Because I, I want to spend some time on that because I think it's. We don't we don't talk about that enough, that that's the art form, that there that there's a science and a strategy to networking and understanding that you are you you know, you show me the five people that you hang around with the most. Uh, and, and I can tell you a little bit of something about yourself and. Who do you have in your phone, your cell phone? How do you how do we get people to understand how critical that is? I mean, particularly younger folks, um, you know, because I, I think you you you've had a good support system to help you understand that. Mm-hmm. But from, from, from your lens where you're at now looking back, or let's say you have a young, young high school girl, young college girl, what do you tell her? How do you tell her? Hey, look, you need to broad. You need to, it's not about always what you know is who, you know, you need to level up and get some people in your Rolodex that can make some phone calls. Um, You need to be able to do that. How do you approach that subject or, or, or do you? 
Yeah, um, I think, well, for one, you know, when you're telling someone that there's someone, you know, that you have in mind, you know, you say like, okay, well, how can I help? You know, is, can you be that someone or can you connect this young person to someone? Um, you know, it's, so you're not just talking to someone, giving advice, you're actually helping them, mm-hmm. hel- helping them understand. You know, for me, I have people that took me under their wing and they helped me understand, you know, how to network, why it's important, but also how to strategically, you know, um, make sure that you're talking to the right people. Um, you know, so don't go out overselling yourself, but know who you are and actually make meaningful, important relationships where they're not all transactional. You know, sometimes you, know, you learn that the hard way, um, you know, but it's trial and error. But I think really it's just important to be comfortable enough to go out and open yourself up to others. And that's how you get to just know more people. And when you're younger, it's it's uncomfortable and it's difficult, but it's necessary. Like I said, for me, that's how, you know, I've by by God, of course, but also just having people that advocated for me has helped me tremendously in my career. So when you're walking, so Joe and Troy call you. Walk me through where it was, hey, we want you to develop this fund. This how, how What's the assets under management for, was it fund eight? Can we talk about that? Okay. <laughs> okay. No, no, uh, no. So uh, it hasn't legally closed yet. So oh, I, yeah, I can speak. Oh, they let me shut yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they let me shut up. Um, so I think the beauty of all this stuff, and I'm curious, when you're on the road doing this stuff, who do you look for um, when you want to start approaching to invest? Like, what is your, or, I, like, how do you come to the decision this would be a good person to invest in the projects and the services and things that we're doing? Is that entirely all up to you, or is, was that a game plan that you all sat down and said, we want these type of investors to never do your thing and go get them? Was yeah. it your call, or did you all sit there and make- A combination of both, I think. Us putting our heads together, um, you know, as as a team and, and them as leaders to identify, okay, what types of, you know, markers are we looking for? What types of folks do we think what we're doing will resonate with? You know, who cares about these things? And, and then, you know, us or we really going out and hunting for it, um, again, with, with their support and their leadership um, behind it. You know, I want to, um, when we come back, I want to start getting into some business stuff. Um and I want us to treat this like you're giving advice to people who start their business, what they should be doing, how to get investors. So we'll have more of this conversation on the other side. This is The Truth in the Afternoon with Dr. Ken Harris on the new 1017 The Truth.